The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Hello. Welcome to it. This is Chewing the Fat with yours truly, Jeff Fisher. Thank you so much for joining us on the broadcast or the podcast or the fat cast or whatever you want to call it. Look, it's just going to be a quick ride. Uh, I'm going to be with you every afternoon. I want you to be able to listen, uh, you know, as you drive home, as you just get home, you're hanging out. I don't want to make it uh, long and laborious, but there's so many stories that we just don't have an opportunity to get to during the day or stories that are kind of cool, but nobody's really going to talk about. Welcome to it. The main stories that kind of fascinate me right off the top today are the story about the cafe where no cash is needed. It's up by Brown University in uh, Rhode Island, and uh, no college ID means no caffeine. It's a regular coffee shop, machines, baristas, dispense caffeine, customers hammering away on their laptops, but uh, no, you don't have to pay anything as long as you give them your information. That's right. They turn away customers. Uh, If you're not a college student, faculty members, if you have a faculty card, you can get in and pay. But students, no. We just want your personal information. You get free coffee, and all you have to do is give them your name, phone number, email addresses, majors, uh, all of that. Also, they have to provide uh, date of birth, professional interest, entering all the information in an online forum. And by doing so, the students also open up themselves to receiving... uh, Here's the sweet little catch. Information from corporate sponsors who pay the cafe to reach its clientele through logos, apps, digital advertisements, on-screen in stores and mobile devices, signs, surveys, and even baristas. Yes, Uh, they also have uh, specially trained staff members, the baristas, who give student additional information about sponsors. Hello, here's your coffee. Let me tell you about this product. I mean... Okay, if that's where we're at, I mean, that's kind of, look, the students, uh, the students have, were quoted as saying, oh, you can have all that information anyway, don't worry about it. And look, some of the students are saying, look, all you got to do is go, look, if you go to LinkedIn, Google, any of the sites, you can get all that information already. It's all there. Anything you need is already there. So why should I worry about it? I want my free coffee. You can have my information, no problem. Don't worry about it. And really, that's kind of where we're at, right? I mean, we say okay to a lot of things on different apps throughout our life and throughout our our days that, look, you just want to use the app, right? I know I'm saying okay to you getting into all my pictures. I know I'm saying okay to you seeing all the stuff that I do on Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram and Snapchat. I know that I'm saying okay to that, and I don't really want to say okay to that, but I just want to, I would just want to take a picture. That's all. I just want you to take a picture, and I want to be able to edit it. Oh, okay. Well, then that's fine then. Don't worry about it. Just let us take all your information. And okay. That's what they're doing, and and most people are okay with that. But it does lead me back to uh, eight years ago now, right? Eight years ago now, 2010, uh, Eric Schmidt, uh, then the uh, head of Google, 
uh, suggested that young people would be entitled to change their identity to escape their misspent youth, which is now recorded in excruciating detail on social networking sites. He said, I don't believe society understands what happens when everything is available, knowable, and recorded by everyone all the time. He said he believed that every young person will one day be allowed to change their name to distance themselves from embarrassing photographs and material stored on their friends' social media sites. I mean, that is amazing. And we're already eight years along from then. Um, Using profiles of its customers and tracking their locations through their smartphones, it'll be able to provide live updates on their surroundings and inform them of tasks they need to do. Mr. Smith said, we're trying to figure out what the future of search is. One idea is that more and more searches are done on your behalf without you needing to type. I actually think most people don't want Google to answer their questions. They want Google to tell them what they should be doing next. Wow. I mean, he suggested, for an example, which we're already doing, uh, you know, we want, uh, we want, we could, we'd remind the users, uh, what groceries they needed to buy or when passing a shop, uh, what's online. I mean, it, it is fascinating. That was eight years ago. All right. So we're already there, right? We're already there. And so when you talk about what the internet is doing for us, I mean, Eric had just said, uh, a little bit ago that he thinks that the internets are going to split into two now because of our dealings with China and other countries who may want to limit freedoms. He said, look, uh, you think of China as, oh, yeah, they're good with the Internet. You're missing the point. Globalization means that they get to play, too. You're gonna, I think you're going to see fantastic leadership in products and services from China. There's a real danger that along with those products and services comes a different leadership regime from the government with censorship controls. And look, he already said, uh, he talked about how China is going to uh, lap us and be so far ahead in the AI game uh, if we don't step up our game. And he talked about, this is fascinating, I don't think people know about this, the Belt and Road Initiative, which involves 60, 60, 60 70 countries um, that has uh, an infrastructure like China that will create freedom with, you know, not really freedom. I like how they use that's freedom, but it's limited. Well, no, there's a difference. If it's freedom, then it can't be limited. But it is. Now, the Belt and Road Initiative is China's infrastructure project to link itself with countries across Asia, Africa, Europe, and Oceania with railways and shipping lanes. And they're, they've got that instituted. And you'll just be able to use the Internet that the, the Belt and Road Initiative, the BRI, will limit your freedom. Ah, the future. Freedom. But not really. Freedom, but not really. You know, another, another couple stories that fascinate me is what people do to survive. And this is just, you know, I just want to start off today with, a, you know, a couple of stories that fascinate me today. We talked last week uh, during the uh, Pat Gray Unleashed program uh, and my uh, Chewing the Fat 1 uh, per day. This is the Chewing Fat, you know, extra fatness. Uh, 
We talked about the Indonesian teenager that survived 49 days adrift at sea. It always amazes me what people will do to survive. This 19-year-old who worked as a lamp keeper on a floating fish trap uh, was out at sea, and then a storm came by, and and it, it unlocked its mooring, and it took off, and it's floating around the sea, and he's lost. And he's only got enough food for a couple of days. And a couple of times he was out there and he saw ships and he couldn't get their attention and they passed him by. And he was out there for 49 days. Now, he caught fish. He, on his little hut, he broke off wood and started fires to burn the fish, to cook the fish. And he limited his salt intake from the seawater by drinking the water through his sweatshirt, you know, through his clothes. Absolutely amazing. And he also said that he was about to give up uh, at one point, and he remembered that his parents had told him that uh, in times of distress, you should pray. And he had a Bible on the little on the little hut, and he said, I did. And, you know, after it worked. After, you know, after 49 days, it worked. But it kept him sane, right? It kept him sane, and he, he survived. And that's what brings me to this guy who's making sausage in his garage in North Dakota. And who doesn't? I mean, I guess if you're living in North Dakota, <laughs> you're making sausage, right? You just are. But uh, he's making sausage in his garage, and he's got the, uh, he's got the grinder, and he's, it's off. And he's got a chunk of meat in the grinder that he's going to get out and push down through there. And as he puts his left hand into this grinder, he steps on the, the he, has a, he has a foot pedal that turns it on and off. And he steps on the foot pedal and it grinds up his hand. Okay, so what I'm saying is that what it takes for people to survive, all right? So now this guy, 69-year-old guy, he's got his hand stuck in the grinder, all right? And he says to he knows he knows, look, he's got, he takes his foot off the grinder and he says, I knew I was in trouble. And he reaches for a knife and he realizes that his hand is, is cut up and it's jumped into the, into the bone, but all there's muscle and tendons and stuff sticking into this grinder. He can't pull it out. He doesn't want to turn the grinder back on. So he takes a knife and he cuts his ha- arm off. He cuts it off, cuts those, cuts the muscles off, so that he could, so that he has, he's unconnected to his original hand and the grinder. Now he thanks the, you know, the paramedics and stuff for saving him because he, you know, again he called someone or he did call nine one one. It wasn't clear on who called nine one one. I mean, I guess you can still call nine one with one hand. Anyway, the um, and he so he's holding it and he you know pressing down on it because he knew that if he if he had left it in there and tried to call for help, he would just bleed to death, right? So he cut it off and uh, you know then he covered it up and they came and you know obviously tourniquet didn't kept it you know kept it down. So he's uh, you know he's fine. He's going to be retrofitted. He's going to be fitted with a you know with a fake hand. And it'll be fine. And he's happy. And he said, you know, he was like, I I live through numb. I'm going to live through this. And uh, I just find it fascinating that how you know how many times have you thought about when you're trying to get something out of the dishwasher or out of the uh, garbage disposal what happens if it turns on? Right? What uh 
and this guy's got his hand in the meat grinder making sausage and realizes that he's stuck. And if he just sits there and waits for somebody to try to rescue him, he's dead. He's going to bleed to death. So he cuts it off. Oof. Still alive, though. High five. Oh, the other one. As we take a walk over to the water cooler, you know, in the break room to take a little drink, uh, let me tell you about Mercury Real Estate Services. Selling your home. Is it simple? Of course it is. You just put a for sale sign up and magically a buyer stops by and pays you top dollar for it and you all live happily ever after, right? Wrong. Anyone who has ever bought or sold a home knows this scenario never happens. Sorry. Never does. And that's why uh, Glenn and Tanya started realestateagentsitrust.com. We know that finding a great real estate agent can make all the difference in the world when you need to sell your biggest asset. At realestateagentsitrust.com, we've assembled the best agents in over 1,000 towns all over America, and they really want to earn your business. They're all highly rated agents who get the job done. Uh, maybe no balloons, open houses. Those really don't even work anymore. Our agents have great marketing plans that create demand for your home so they can sell your home on time and for the most money. And if you really wanted balloons, they'd probably bring balloons. Selling a home can be simple if you hire the right real estate agent. So if you need to sell, buy, get moving today. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, we're at the water cooler. I'm thirsty. All right, you know what it's like standing around in the break room thinking to yourself, man, I don't really want, you know, I don't have anything to say to these people. Everybody's uh, up in arms about uh, Brett Kavanaugh. And you're, you know, you're working and you're trying to be, you know, a little closet. Uh, let's call you a closet conservative. You're not out of the closet yet. All right. You want to be out of the closet, but you want a job too. And you know, in the break room, you don't want to start a fight. You still want to be, you still want to be kind of, well, kind of friendly to the people, even though you don't really like their politics. And if they're talking about Brett Kavanaugh and what a horrible person he is, you can just say, yeah, I know. But you know what I was thinking is that I, I, I saw a poll online this weekend, and it asked a question. It asked me, if your 16-year-old daughter needed to get a ride home at night alone, who would you want to give her a ride? Brett Kavanaugh, Joe Biden, Anthony Weiner, or Bill Clinton? I think we all know the answer to that one. And that will at least uh, start a little conversation that will make it a little ease, or it'll just shut them up because they know that, uh, ooh, that's a good point. All right. Nobody wants Bill picking up the kid. Uh, nobody wants some selfie with Anthony. Nobody wants, <laughs> nobody wants creepy Joe. I mean, we've, have you seen the, I mean, of course, there's the Joe Biden meme going around now with where he's back behind uh, Ford at the hearings doing his uh, little L shoulder rub with the kiss on the back of the neck. Joe Biden, it's so good. Of course, I mean, guess what? I realize it's not real. It's okay. I looked at it and went, ha, 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 that's funny, but it's not real. I get it. It's okay. Or if, you don't, you know, if you're at the in the break room, you're standing around and you're talking, you're getting a drink of water, you're drinking a cup of coffee, you're waiting for somebody to, 
heat up their hot pocket and you're thinking, man, only 85 days until Christmas. Oof. I mean, think of that. 85 days until Christmas. That's a little frightening. And it also means that I'm going to have to start putting up Christmas decorations soon. I mean, my wife was ready to put them up at, I don't know, 350 due days until Christmas. Let's just not take them down. I like them up. So I compromised. I took down the big stuff, and there's still been little stuff all around the house all year. And I don't know if I'm going to win the battle of taking them down this year. So I'm just got my. I think my wife is just going to turn into the. They're the ones with the Christmas ornaments up all year, kind of people. I don't know if I want to be those people yet. A little frightening for me. I'm not real sure if I want to be those people yet. And if you haven't, uh, if you want to remember today. Um, Today, the actual airing uh, of this podcast, October 1st, is the uh, one-year anniversary sad celebration of the Las Vegas shooting. And, wow, I mean, you just think a year ago, and we, we wanted to know so much about what happened and why he did it, and we still don't know any of that. I mean, we know... We know that 58 people were shot to death at the music festival. We know that uh, 851 people were injured, 422 of them with gunshot wounds. All right. We know that uh, Paddock was the only, the shooter was the only person dead at Mandalay Bay, and he shot himself. He chickened out, gutless. But we don't know why, and really good. I'm not sad that he did that. Although, I would like to know why. And we don't. We found out nothing. The only arrest has been the one uh, gun dealer, right, of, uh, that was selling uh, illegal firearms illegal to him, to Paddock, and to other customers. I mean, really strange. We, we don't know very much at all. At least we don't know as much as I think we should. Really... Really strange. And, it's, and, and yet, when you think about it, it's only been a year. So, if you go that, if you look at it that way, maybe we'll find out more. But the only investigation left really is I think there's a, an FBI, a minor FBI investigation still pending. But Las Vegas has completely, they've wrapped theirs up. We're never going to know why. Here's the numbers. Have a nice day. We're done. I mean, amazing. All right. So, Another thing that uh, you can talk about tomorrow, if you didn't talk about it uh, today, and, and you probably didn't because most people are, didn't hear about it this weekend, because, you know, if you're like most people, you watch football, you watch Netflix, you watch Hulu, you had shows to stream, you had shows to watch, you had things to do, right? You had uh, yard work to manage and cantaloupes to water and stuff like that on the weekend, right? And yard bugs to kill. Man, we got these, some kind of worms or something that's attacking my lawn. It is, it is not fun. All right, and I, I am not a yard guy. I don't want to be a yard guy. I don't want these worms around. All I want to do is go out in my yard and not see these worms. But that's where I'm at. So Elon Musk uh, is uh, relinquishing his chairman of the board uh, job. 
for Tesla. He's still going to be CEO. And he's going to have to pay the SEC a minor $20 million. I mean, $20 million, right? He brushes, I mean, he's a billionaire. He brushes $20 million off. That, but uh, $20 million, I don't care who you are. That takes a bite. That takes a bite. I mean, he might actually have to, you know, I'm talking crazy here. He may actually have to eat at home for a week or two. I don't know that for sure. I mean, he, he might, you know, he might say, okay, I, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pay for everybody's meal tonight. All right, it's just me. Something like that. He's going to have to tighten the belt a little bit somewhere. But think about this. The tweet that got him in trouble. I'm considering taking Tesla private at $420. Funding secured. That's where he was in trouble. That was a lie. It wasn't secured. And, you know, you can't, that's kind of like saying, hey, buy stock, sell stock. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm supposed to be doing that as chairman of the board and CEO of the company. And the SEC was not very happy. So they slapped him on the hand and said, Elon, what are you doing? Pay us $20 million. Pay us $20 million. Can I get out of here? And, and right, it is it's only for three years. I mean, it was, I, I really think that, uh, I think that was just a, a, they had, they felt like they had to do something. And so they made it look like they actually did something. But, and Elon said, okay, I'll give you some money. Leave me alone. I'm tired anyway. I'm smoking pot on other people's podcasts. And I just, I just want to be left alone for a while. The chairman of the board, that's a tough job. Is it Elon? Oh, yeah. We got to meet a couple times a year. It's tough. Um, and actually, uh, you know, not a bad idea, really. And, and, and Elon, I know you look, I know you're stressed. And, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I know you're stressed. You, you got SpaceX. You're dealing with that other lawsuit that guy's messing with you over there from the from the cave rescue. You got you got Tesla uh, giving you a hard time. You got the car. You got deadlines. You, you're messing up on some on some different deadlines at your factory. I know times are tough, so this will ease the pain a little bit. You gave the SEC twenty million, and you're going to relinquish that uh, chairman of the board job. Look, if you want to stop by chewing the fat and smoke a little dope and calm down and relax a little bit, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I promise you, Elon, whatever kind of pot Rogan had, I'll find better. I'll find better. I won't, And I won't treat it with anything, but it'll still be good. I promise you, okay? All you got to do is say yes, man. Chewingthefat at theblaze.com. Just email me. Email me, chewingthefat at theblaze.com. I'm here for you, all right? In fact, if you don't want to, you know, I know Rogan had that nasty old, big old blunt passing around. No, Elon, you and me, buddy. I know, Elon. I love the new Tesla. I know you've cut down on the colors and everything. That kind of sucks now, huh? Turn it into, turn it into Ford cars, just black. I know. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Here, take a hit. So if you want to stop by, I'm here for you, baby. I'm here. Chewing the fat at theblaze.com. Email me. Let me know when you're going to be by. Comes right to my phone. I'll see it right away. I'm here for you. But that had to have been the most expensive tweet in history. His tweet, I'm considering taking Tesla private for $420. Funding secured. 20 million bucks he paid for that tweet. 63 characters, $317,460 per keystroke. That, my friend, is an expensive tweet.
talk crime a little bit. And, you know, nobody likes crime. I mean, unless you're the criminal, right? Nobody likes crime unless you're the criminal. This particular study has me amazed. Clearance rates for crime in America. Okay, let's start at the let's start at the bottom. All right, let's start at the bottom. Burglary. Only 13.5% of burglaries are closed. I mean, that is amazing. Right? Only 13.7% of motor vehicle theft is solved. Larceny theft, 19.2% is solved. Over 80% walking free. Robbery, 29.7% solved. All right? A little over 70%. They're walking free. This is kind of sad. The rape, the rape is 34.5% is solved. That is very sad. Aggravated assault, 53.3% is solved. Still 46, almost 47%, you're walking free. And this one has me uh, amazed. Murder. 61.6% of murders are solved. Almost 40% of murders are not solved. If I decide to murder someone, and I never would, I have a 40% chance of walking away scot-free. Now, most people don't commit a crime thinking they're going to get caught anyway, right? I mean, you don't. You never commit a crime. And that's why I think, you know, I'm okay with deterrence, death penalty, all that kind of stuff. But really, nobody is not. I If I'm going to kill someone, I'm not thinking I would kill you, except I'm going to get the death penalty if I kill you and get caught. Nobody thinks that. They just don't. They just, I, I, I guess maybe in the short term they do. You know, maybe you think about, if, I don't know. I'd like to see some deeper numbers on that because the deterrent, I think, isn't quite right but i have a 40 percent chance of murdering someone and walking away just walking the streets scot-free that's it's a little frightening it's a little frightening and if you're in baltimore congratulations baltimore you had the worst homicide rate among the nation's 50 largest cities last year and the second highest violent crime rate overall According to new data from the FBI, congratulations. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Detroit had the highest overall violent crime rate of 2017, ranked number two in homicides. Memphis, Tennessee, 28 homicides per, these are per 100,000 people, by the way. I'm sorry, I didn't make that clear. So they're ranked Detroit number two, but they uh, had 40 murders per 100,000 people. Mm, Not good. Philadelphia, Chicago, Milwaukee, these big cities all are the top of the list every year. Detroit and Baltimore battle back and forth for that number one slot. I've got an idea for you. If you live, say, in Baltimore and you say to yourself, you know, I'd like to sell my home and get out of Baltimore and maybe move to Texas. Well... What you need to do is go to Mercury 
real estate services, okay? Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. We've got the best agents over a thousand towns. Just call them and say, I want to get out of Baltimore. I want to get out of Detroit. And they'll help you. They will help you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Hello? Yeah, I want to get out of Baltimore. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Now let's talk a little fashion and sex. We can't end the show without fashion and sex. I mean, let's be honest. I've People have called me for years fashion. I am fashion. I know fashion. I speak fashion lingo. I am fashion. And at one point, uh, thanks to uh, chewing the fat with Jeff Fisher. Thanks for listening, by the way. Uh, we will have uh, an opportunity for you to participate in the uh, purchase of a product. Moomoo's by Jeffy. Uh, this product has been uh, it's been in the works for quite some time. It's been being developed. My daughter, it has not, it has not been 10 years. It has not. Don't look at me like that. I'm serious. It has not been 10 years. It's only been a while. Anyway, it has not been 10 years, so stop looking at me like that and stop thinking about, well, why don't you just get them out, fat man? Because it takes a lot of work. But I'm telling you, Moomoo's by Jeffy is coming. And also, Moomoo's by Jeffy with special uh, artwork from Maya is coming. You're paying more for that. Trust me. Okay? But that's on the way. Anyway, I, I digress. This particular story drives me insane. People are all wound up about the $530 distressed sneaker. All right? So, the Italian brand... Uh, makes these sneakers and they put tape on them and they've got them worn down and they're low cut and they make them look like they're, you know, that's the fat, the distressed fashion is what they're calling it. All right. And people are, oh my gosh, how could you make a shoe like that? Uh, fetishizing poverty, pointing out the cruel irony and people being able to afford such expensive sneakers while so many others are forced to wear their own until they fall apart without being able to think it's a fashion statement. All right. Stop it. All right. I got it. There's all kinds of homeless people. I know the numbers. In fact, the numbers in this story, I don't necessarily, I'd like to know if they're actually true or not. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, and that's what it says in the story, so I'll believe it, but I'm going to double check. Uh, 43.1 million Americans lived in poverty in 2016. 43 million Americans lived in poverty. Okay, I th- and maybe I buy that number, but those are not people living on the streets. All right, so I'm going to have to dig into that a little bit. I think that number is deceiving. But, because, I mean, I make poverty wages. Let's be clear. Well, I'm just like you. You and me are, I may even be worse. But uh, they consider it poverty. But it's not really poverty. Like when you go see the doctor, for example, when you go see the doctor, the doctor says, "Ooh, you are now you now are obese." But you're not really obese. You know, you are, but you're not. You know the feeling. You know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. Because you are, you are, according to their numbers. But really, you know, you're not obese. Anyway, these same people complaining about this sneaker. All right, it drives me crazy because these same people are the same people walking around with jeans with holes in them. They have the jeans all cut up. They have the running shorts all cut up. They have whatever whatever spandex they wear with holes all cut up. 
Uh, that's a that's a homeless issue too, little Missy. Sorry to disappoint you. Okay, the people walking around. Oh, that's a fashion statement. Those are just like brand new jeans. Uh huh. Uh, the guy with tape around his shoes, the guy that has duct tape shoes, has holes in his pants too. Okay, so don't, please, don't. Just spend the $530 for this sneakers and move on. Okay? Come on now. All right. That's my fashion story. Let's move on to, let's move on to sex, shall we? It's important. This story. The, we've heard the stories of the drug-fueled party cruises. And, uh, you know, there was, there was one not long ago that got way out of hand, according to a number of people. Well, there's a couple, Rob and Tess Hannaford. Uh, they, um, they create cruises. They create sex cruises. All right. Naughty. They started in 1999. So they've been doing this for a while now. All right. They started with the Naughty in New Orleans trip, which I kind of like back in 1999. And now, uh, now they're having the um, the sex party cruise out of L.A. And you leave a couple days from now, so you still have time. If you're, if you, all right. This this podcast recorded October first, two thousand and eighteen. All right, October third is is off time. You know what I mean. And so it's launch time. You know what I'm you know what I'm saying. Either way. And so you want to get out there and uh, and have fun. I'm telling you, the X-rated trip dubbed the Naughty Cruise. Hundreds of couples from all over the world, so there's still room. Those cruise ships, they don't have. It's not like they have a yacht. They're they're going to cruise ship, right? How'd you like to get on that with Grandma and Grandpa and realize you're on the wrong cruise? Ooh, look at that one. We should get off. No, we shouldn't. Anyway, the um, the cruise. Uh, <laughs> all right, so it's organized with uh, by the uh, Rob and uh, Tess Hannaford. All right. 2,000 passenger LA cruise first set sail in 2004. Uh, it's organized. Now it's going to look, this is a lot of sex on our ships. According to Bob, I know that could maybe come as a surprise to you, but there most definitely is. We certainly do get swingers on board and many of, many of them are looking for other potential partners, but our cruisers, hear me out, hear me out. I want to hear what Bob has to say here. Our cruises get people excited and couples tell me all the time how our, Couples cruises have rekindled their passion and that they had more sex on our cruise than with, the, with their partner than they've had in months. So it's a love cruise is all it is. It's bringing couples back together. Man, do I want to go on this cruise. All right. So you got, uh, they've got all kinds of classes. It's an educational cruise. Oh, look at me. It's educational. All right. Um, they have, uh, besides plenty of, of, Playrooms that are considered kinky. Uh, they also have dungeons, dark rooms, rooms for the ladies, the ever-changing lineup of of the of the med rooms, and for those looking for something different. Mm. We pick some great dungeon masters and mod- <laughs> we pick some great dungeon masters too on this cruise. Look, we're not just throwing higgly piggly onto this cruise. We're not just bringing people in for nothing. All right, we're we're going to Ensenada with, with Mexico, and then back to L.A. And uh, it's going to be the we have massage classes, group sessions, and it's just trying to bring couples back together again. The naughty cruise still have a couple of days, still have a couple of days to get on the naughty cruise, and uh, good luck and have fun on the naughty cruise because 
You know, I might have to. We might have to try to talk to them. I want to know what, how they hooked that up. If that's uh, if they have to, if they have to end up going into international waters, or if it's just you sign the consent form on the cruise and it's all yours. Either way, the naughty cruise might end up being just a little too naughty. (laughs) 